several years ago, many years ago actually, FedEx used to have a commercial that you'd see on TV every now and then where they spoke of the golden package. Uh, that somewhere out there in one of their warehouses, on one of their planes, maybe on one of their trucks, there was a golden package. One package that was priceless, that's worth was completely beyond anything you could imagine. Uh, that golden package of infinite worth that needed to be guarded, it needed to be cared for, it needed to be delivered swiftly to its proper owner. There was only one problem. No one knew which package was the golden package. And so the solution was to treat each package as though it might be the golden package, treat each package as though it were of infinite worth. I think about that commercial every now and then when I'm tracking my package and I see it's in Anchorage, Alaska, and I don't know why it isn't here yet because they said it would absolutely positively be here. But I realize the golden package principle is not for customers. It's not for me. It's not for you. It is for the FedEx employees. The, the goal was to teach them to treat each package as though it were of infinite worth so that no matter what they were moving, they would remember that this is valuable to someone. Somebody cares about this package. Somebody wants this package. It is important to someone. And if they miss that truth, if they treat a package as though it were careless or common, then it is no longer priceless. It is then worthless. You hear something of that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. It's a familiar verse. I think a lot of people know this one. A lot of people love this verse. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You get the point of that verse, right? The point is not for you to figure out which one of those strangers is an angel. The point isn't for you to figure out which one person that asks you for help or that you see on the side of the road or that one person looking for a handout, which one might be an angel? Which one might I need to be nice to for a change? Which one might I need to actually care for? Who do I need to treat as special? That's not the point. The point is for you to recognize that every stranger you encounter is a golden opportunity to demonstrate to someone what their worth is before God by showing them what they are worth to you, that you would treat every person you encounter, every stranger, as though they are of an infinite worth, of eternal value, because they are. They are worthy of the blood of Jesus Christ to save them, just as you are. We encounter that word hospitality a few times in the Bible. It is literally, the, the, the word that we translate hospitality, it literally means Love of strangers. Love of strangers. There are days, there were days, when we understood that a little better than we understand it today. Today we struggle with that concept of loving strangers. We tend to view people with suspicion. What do they want? What are they up to? We tend to view people between the blinds of our windows and our homes and wonder what they're doing out there. We tend to keep our heads down. We don't talk to strangers. We don't ask them what they need or how we can help them. 
And do we see that there's something wrong with that? Hebrews chapter 13 shows us a better way. I want to look today just at the first three verses of Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 3. It begins there in verse 1 with a simple statement, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. There's something special in the call for us in these three verses. And you notice it doesn't start with strangers, does it? It doesn't start with strangers. Instead, it starts with the relationship that we have with one another. And I think each one of us, so many of us here could testify that we have long known the blessing of a loving church family. We could tell stories. Each one of us could tell stories of a a time when we were in crisis, when we had a, a crisis and our church family was there to help. We could tell stories about people bringing us meals when we've been sick, when we've had problems. People showing up with meals when, when we've lost a loved one, when we've been grieving. We can talk about people who helped us with expenses. We could tell stories about people who showed up and mowed our lawns and took care of our, of our, of our yards. People who harvested crops in those difficult times. Most of us have been recipients of that kind of love, that kind of care. And if we've not been recipients, we've certainly extended it. We've given that kind of care to other people. And that's what you hear in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. It's just four verses. Four little, verse, or four little words. Let brotherly love continue. Let it continue. In other words, you've already experienced this. Just as you've already experienced this. You've already experienced it. Just keep, keep the blessing going. Keep it going. You know, the Bible is filled with passages that talk about one another, what we should do for one another. Have you ever looked at all the one another passages in the Bible? Fifteen times, fifteen times scattered throughout the Scriptures, it tells us to love one another. Five times scattered throughout the Bible, it says for us to serve one another. Two times it says accept one another. Romans chapter 14, verse 19 tells us to strengthen one another. If you backed up to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, you would see that it says help one another. And then again in chapter 10, verse 24, help one another. That's barely scratching the surface. There are 42 statements scattered throughout your Bible. 42 statements that tell you what you need to do for one another. Love one another. Forgive one another. Comfort one another. Be kind to one another and every one of us could say i have benefited from that kind of love i have benefited from that kind of relationship you know the the sad reality is there are people in our lives who've never known that kind of love there are people in our lives who have who have never known that kind of community that kind of care they have never known that there are people who when they are grieving, when they are hurting, that they can count on those people. And even more sad, some of those people are right next door. They're right next door to us in in our lives. They are our neighbors. They are the people we wave to. They are the people we avoid. (laughs) They are the people we pretend we don't see. But you hear the call from Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? 
Your neighbor has been given to you to love. Your neighbor has been given to you to love, to care for, to demonstrate Jesus to. And you know, sooner or later, if we are following Jesus, we will move out of our one another comfort zone in here. We'll move out of our one another comfort zone and we will head into the world of loving your neighbors. We will head into the world of hospitality to loving strangers. And we will find a people, a world of people who have never experienced love one another. Now let's be honest, that can be messy. That can be scary even. But it doesn't change the call from Jesus and it doesn't change the need that they have. What we need to remember for ourselves, as well as remember for those strangers that we love, what we need to remember is that the hospitality that you show others can introduce them to Jesus. One more time, verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, if you were a good kid when you were in Sunday school, if you were paying attention when you were learning those lessons, that might sound familiar, entertaining angels. Uh, in fact, you might be thinking of Abraham. Genesis chapter 18, Abraham is approached by three men. By the way, that's the lesson that they're getting over there right now in children's church. It's from Abraham chapter 18. When you get home, you've got something to talk about because you've heard some of the same stuff today. But Abraham, in, in Genesis chapter 18, he is camped out and he is taking a nap under the oaks of Mamre and suddenly three men appear on the horizon and Abraham recognizes them as angels, as messengers from God. Remember last week I talked about how angels are messengers from God. And so what does Abraham do for these messengers? He brings out water. They start baking bread, giving bread. And he gives them a place to sleep. He gives them a place to rest. Now you could probably fill a thimble with everything I know about angels. I don't know much about angels at all. But what little I do know about angels tells me this. They don't need water. <laughs> they don't need bread. And everything I read in Revelation says that they are always praising God, that they're always making noises, that they're always serving. So I don't think they need a place to rest. But you know, it's not so much about what those three messengers needed, it's about what Abraham needed to do to be faithful. Abraham needed to show hospitality. And today, we still talk about Abraham and how he's famous for his hospitality. It's more about what Abraham needs to be than about what those strangers needed. That's the key to hospitality. It's not just about their need. It's about introducing them to Jesus. It's about letting the love of Jesus be seen through our love. It's about letting the way that we care reflect the way Jesus cares for us. It's about letting His love be seen through us. And it's not just about the stranger's need. It's about our responsibility. If the love of Christ has impacted you, if the love of Christ has impacted you, it will impact others through you. Not just people here, not just the one and others, but people out there. People that Jesus puts in our path to love. When you show hospitality, you are showing Jesus' heart. I've mentioned this book before. I've showed you this book before. Maybe even bought a copy or two for some of you of this book. It's called The Neighboring Church 
by Rick Russoff and Brian Mavis. This is an amazing book, and it's become one of my favorites when it comes to being a, a church in a neighborhood, what we ought to be doing for our neighbors, how we need to reach our neighbors and care for our neighbors. There's a story on page 46 that I want to share with you. <clears throat> it is moving, it is tragic, it is gripping. But as I read this story, I thought to myself, we've got similar stories at Kansas Christian Church. Not exactly like this, but we could tell stories very similar. <clears throat> Listen to the story. Tony is a guy in our church who has started, he has caught on to this, and he has really started getting to know and love his neighbors. Some of the neighbors and their kids got into running 5Ks together. And after one of the races, there was a party at one of these families' houses. And while this party with 30 people in the backyard was going on, a huge beam from a swing set fell and tragically and instantly killed the eight-year-old daughter of the family who lives there. Tony and the other neighbors helped this family as best they knew and as best they knew how in the days following the devastating accident. Our church was able to help by doing the funeral service since the family had no faith, faith background. The family met with one of our care pastors about the arrangements, and the care pastor pulled me in to pray with the family. Later, the father contacted me and said he wanted to meet with me along with his wife, his brother, and his wife's sister. I was a little confused because I wasn't doing the funeral. But of course, I agreed to meet with them. When we met, the father who had just lost his daughter said to me, what's going on here? All of my neighbors have cooked meals for us. My family has been coming in from all over the country and it's my neighbors. My neighbors are saying, your sister's going to stay with us. And other, other neighbors, another neighbor's going to take care of the rest of your family when they come in. He told me how this neighborhood of people that he just kind of knows has stepped in to help over and over again. And then he said this, I thought I was a good person, but I want to know what this is all about. And I said, this has everything to do with Jesus and his calling for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And he said this, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about that. Now I'm engaging with this guy on his journey to what it means to have faith in one of the most critical times of his life, all because Tony caught the vision, got to know his neighbors, and then when crisis hit, he rallied his neighbors around this family. God's love has a profound effect. Isn't that beautiful? I read that story, and I could say with confidence when I read that story, Kansas Christian Church knows how to love like that. We know how to take care of people like that. If that were to happen here in our community, if that were to happen to one of our neighbors, we would bring food, we would bring comfort, we would help out, we would put people up, we would do whatever we could to minister mercy and peace in that situation. And if they asked us, what's this all about? We would say it has everything to do with Jesus. But here's the key. We can't wait for a crisis to start loving people like that. We can't wait until there's a crisis to start loving our neighbors with that kind of love. It starts now. And it means loving your neighbors over the sound of their loud cars that they drive down the road way too fast in 
It means loving your neighbor over the sound of that motorcycle that they're tuning up Saturday morning at 8 a.m. when you would just like to rest a little bit longer. It means loving them over the sound of their loud kids, loving them over their trashy yards. You know, none of those things. A loud motorcycle, loud kids, loud cars, trashy yards. None of those things call you to love your neighbor. None of those things encourage you to love your neighbor. But who does? Jesus. Jesus calls you to love your neighbor, to love strangers. The one who calls you to do that is the one who has loved you And when we show people hospitality, we are showing them Jesus' heart. And I'll be the first to admit, that's scary. That is scary. That is intimidating. And you and I can find ourselves paralyzed when we step outside of our comfort zones, we step out of our little one another world, we can just find ourselves paralyzed. But I think we can make a difference in ourselves And how we love, when we realize this, we've got to realize this, blessings come when we show hospitality. And we've got to learn to show, we've got to learn to anticipate, anticipate, not problems, but anticipate blessings from showing hospitality. I've I've done my best to show hospitality when the need arises. I've got to admit though, I don't always get it right. I do not always get it right. And there is no way that I can say with any certainty that I've ever entertained angels, but I'll say this, I'm always entertaining. I try to be. I try to be entertaining one way or another. That word in verse 2 where it says entertain, entertain angels, that word can mean, this, this is one possible definition of that word. It can mean to be struck with surprise. To strike someone with surprise. To surprise someone. Not just to entertain, but to strike them with surprise. And I think it's a wonderful thing when our hospitality surprises someone. Surprise! We're not going to just meet your need. We're going to go above and beyond. Surprise! We're going to take care of you. When we go that extra mile, when we care for them in ways they've never asked or imagined, surprise! I can tell you about Tina. Tina showed up here. On May 5th, just last month, Tina showed up here on May 5th. She showed up here at the office because she was escaping an abusive relationship and she needed out and she needed out now. We helped Tina. Tina needed to get far, far away. We got her a bus ticket. We had never ordered a Greyhound bus ticket before. We figured out how to order a Greyhound bus ticket. They don't cost that much. If you're looking to get rid of someone, you just recommend Greyhound. Anyway... We helped her get a Greyhound bus ticket, and we were able to get her where she needed to go, but she needed to get to the bus station first, right? So Donna and Maxine got together, and they drove Tina to the bus station. Tina's plan was to spend the night sleeping in the bus station, because that's what she had seen people do in movies and TV. You know, you've seen the shows where people end up sleeping in the bus stations. Guess what? You can't sleep in a bus station. They close. When, when the buses are done running, they close the bus station. So they tried to find a place to put her up. They were having a hard time. They ended up taking Tina out for dinner that night, loading her purse up with snacks because it was going to be a 26-hour bus ride. She was going to need some snacks. And they ended up putting her up in a hotel not far from the bus station so she could get up and just walk to it the next morning. Tina said, why are you being nice to me? You don't know me. 
Why are you doing these things for me? And Donna and Maxine said, Surprise! No, they didn't say that. They said it's because of Jesus. But we struck her with surprise. A couple weeks later on May 19th, Mike showed up at my door, showed up on my porch. Mike is from Kentucky. He and his wife were coming home from Chicago. They needed to get back to Kentucky. And their car was on fumes. Their car wasn't getting very far the way it was anyway, but they were on fumes. He asked if I could maybe get him a little bit of gas. Maybe also, since it was about 5 o'clock at night, he said, we haven't had anything to eat all day. I said, yeah, go up to the country junction. It's up here on the corner. I'll meet you there in a few minutes. And I went up and met Mike and met his wife. And I loaded them up with Junction Pizza. wasn't the best dinner in the world, but it's what I eat. Uh, so it's okay. Mike took the last piece of fish. I wanted that last piece of fish from the junction, but Mike took it. Took a couple of, uh, couple of the chicken strips also and a few drinks. And then we got out and I was filling up his tank there at the, at the pump. And Mike stepped out of the car and he said, how much gas are you going to put in my car? I said, Mike, I'm going to fill it up. And, and he stopped. First of all, you've got to understand there's a lot of churches out there that will fill up someone's tank. They'll put gas in someone's tank. But you know what they do? They put enough gas to get them to the next town. They put enough gas in to get them to the next church to get them down the road so they're someone else's problem. I said, Mike, I'm going to fill your tank up. He said, you don't have to do that. I said, yeah, I kind of do. Surprise! <laughs> so that's, that's one of my, he said, you're going to get me all the way home. I said, yeah, Mike, we're going to get you home. We're going to get you taken care of. Mike and his wife took off and, and hopefully made it home that night. But let me encourage you, when it comes to showing hospitality, you go that second mile. You, you go above and beyond. Don't just give them what they need. Give them something that's going to surprise them. Surprise them with the love of Jesus. Verse 3 rounds out this passage. Verse 1 talks about uh, loving one another. Verse 2 talks about loving strangers. And then we get to verse 3. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Those who are in prison. Well, they must be there for a reason. Must have done something if they're in prison. You know, maybe, maybe we don't, maybe we step back from the details of the verse and just listen to the heart of what's being said here. What's being said is, put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in their shoes as though you were suffering too, as though you were in need also. How would you want to be cared for if you were in that position? What would it take to show someone that Jesus loves you if you found yourself in a place like that? What would surprise you? What would bless you? Simply, simply put yourself in the position of a guest here at our church. You're visiting Kansas Christian Church for the first time. What makes you come back a second time? What brings you back for a second visit? Is it the moving and powerful worship that we have? Is it the eloquently delivered sermons that are dramatically close to being correct? What brings a person back a second time? You know, study after study, time after time when they ask people, 
why they came back a second time to the church. It has nothing to do with the worship. It has nothing to do with how awesome the preacher is. It has everything to do with how they were greeted, how they were treated, the hospitality that they were shown. Were they welcomed? Were they, uh, were they talked to? Were they welcomed? Were they spoken to? Were they invited back? Were they invited... Were they not just invited back, but were they invited out? You know, some of us are getting together at a restaurant after church. If you, we can save a spot for you at the table. We'd love to have you join us. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. And I can't help but go back to Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, to that story of the sheep and the goats. I can't help but hear Jesus say, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. You know, I've heard people say, I think that person was an angel. You know, that person that I helped out, that person that I gave a, a little extra money to, that person that I, I, I gave him the rest of my fries and the rest of my drink after I was done with it, that might have been an angel. I don't know whether or not those people are angels, but I know this, it's Jesus. Jesus says, I was that stranger. I was that person you fed. I was that person you clothed. I was that person you visited. I was that person that you cared for. Whether or not you've ever entertained an angel is not the question. You have entertained Jesus. Surprise! <laughs> that was Jesus. When you've cared for someone in need, you've welcomed Jesus. And you may have even surprised Him with the way that you've cared. And coming to the table... I'm thinking about Paul's words there in Romans where he says not just that while we were sinners, but while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, God reached out to us. We, were, we weren't just strangers to God. We were, we were enemies of God. And he loved us anyway. And if it means anything for us to take communion, if it means anything for us to take into ourselves His body and His blood, uh, to, to remember Him in this way and to participate in His body and His blood, then we also have to participate in His heart. And we have to remember to love those around us. So we take this today not just for ourselves, we take it for those strangers that we'll encounter. They're loud motorcycles, they're loud dogs that bark at all hours of the day and night. We take it to remember those people that we encounter who need to know the love of Jesus. And the only place they're going to see it is through us. I'm going to pray, we're going to sing, and then we'll take together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for those opportunities you've given us to serve you. And we would confess we've not always been as hospitable as we should. And yet every time we can think of a need, every time we've hurt, there's been someone there to care for us. There's been someone there to bless us. And so I pray that we would take something of that and something of what we've seen in you. And the next time we encounter a stranger, we would step out of our comfort zone, step out of our little worlds of, of one another's and love someone with the love of Christ, the way that you have loved us and the way we've been loved by a community of people who who just simply love Jesus. Bless this bread that reminds us of his body broken. Bless this cup that reminds us of his blood shed. And bless this time as we remember that Christ is in us 
And therefore, we need to love our neighbors, love those strangers, love those people who are hurting with the love we've known from him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.